Welcome everyone to a special edition of Ag Watchers today, partnering with the Global Sheep Forum Next Generation podcast series. Hi everyone. Hi Bonnie. Hi Bonnie. Hi Bonnie. So, something different today, Matt, isn't it? It is. It is. We always like to mix it up, mate, and do something different. We should introduce. Obviously, everyone would know Bonnie Skinner's voice straight away. Because she's been on the podcast about 10 well, times. And she's, and she's well-known across the sector, CEO of Sheep Producers Australia. But we've also got a friend across the across the ditch. From Tassie? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit, of a, bit of a bigger ditch this time. It is yeah. a little bit. Nick Jolly from Beef and Lamb New Zealand. Do you want to give us a quick rundown, Nick, of who you are so that the listeners are filling in quickly on who you are? Absolutely. Hi, everyone. My name is Nick Jolly. I'm working for Beef and Lamb New Zealand in the trade team, so focusing on trade and environmental issues. And I've been working with the, the Global Sheep Producers Forum um, for a couple of years now, which we're going to talk about today. And Bonnie, if you can give us a, a very short intro into who you are for people who haven't listened to all the episodes that you've been on. Our listeners will recognize me as one of their favorite guests on the Ag Watchers podcast. Oh, um, it's, it's, it's Liz Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> we love Liz. I love Liz. Uh, I'm Bonnie Skinner, Chief Executive Officer of Sheep Producers Australia. And what does Sheep Producers Australia do for, for the global listeners who are just joining in at the Next Generation Global Sheep Farmers Forum? Welcome, listeners. Yes, we are the, the peak representative body for the sheep meat industry in Australia. And I suppose it's worth probably giving a bit of an explanation of what Beef and Lamb New Zealand is. So um, we're the levy body in New Zealand for sheep and beef farmers covering red meat. Um, we do a range of activities, um, including um, partnering with our with our friends across the ditch and, and up in the States and UK, which is um, the sheep, the Global Sheep Producers Forum. So you're you're the equivalent of MLA for for New Zealand. Yes, we are. So we don't cover wool, but we do cover um, sheep and beef, um, and not goats. So just a real focus on the beef and lamb. It's actually Andrew. Before uh, we, because we, we, we have to go back to normal service. You know, we will, but, but Bonnie, Bonnie, do, the, Bonnie, the interns had her internship, and yep. we'll, we'll review she did later. A great job. She did a great job with the intro, but we do. We will have to do the sixth sense. We might do a modified version, Andrew, because there's two guests who might do three questions each or something. Uh, is that right? To each of them or something? Um, but uh, before that'd we do that, be, one of the things. Four. No, it's in. If we did, three... if we did two, if we did two questions each. So before. No, I said three. Three questions to Nick, three to Bonnie. Yeah, um, highly organised. But before we do, I was just realising that with all the diverse accents and different voices, it's easy for people to pick up who's who. Got a Scottish voice, a Kiwi voice, a ladies' Aussie voice, and a male Aussie voice. So we won't have to introduce ourselves as we go. So we've got Scottish, Kiwi. Private, privately educated Australian, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and guttural guttural Australian. In, in, uh, said that about Bonnie and and Kiwi. It's, it's truly is a global sheep industry. It truly is. Right on, on you go, man. Oh, better explain it. We need to explain to Nick what it is. The sixth sense. We're just going to. It's word association. We fire out a word. You come back with the first word or phrase. Sounds and good. We do. We do Nick first and Bonnie second or something or what? Uh, ladies first. Ladies first. Go, go, Bonnie. You go first. Show, show Nick, show Nick how a professional works. That's it. 
Oh. Sheep industry globally. More things that uh, unite us and bring us together than separate us. Mm, cats or dogs? Oh, cat, dog, cats. Oh. I, have, I have both. I have both. I have both. Yeah, no, she's right. Did you, did you exactly dog. right? Did you just say cats? That's disgusting. I said cat, dog. Well, um, you got to pick. You got like to pick a, one. Like a, you can't choose a chimera. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> got to pick one. It's my answer. Um. Oh yeah. Let's just stay with with oh, dogs. I don't know. No, cat, dog. Can't do it. Can't do it. Oh, dear me. Cat, dog, or horse. Well, horse, yeah, horse ultimately. <laughs> that wasn't my question. That's just an expansion on Matt's one because you didn't answer it. Uh, economic prosperity and sheep. I think the future is incredibly bright. You probably want a one word answer. Um, but uh, yeah, immense opportunity. The opportunity is probably a good answer. So we go, we'll switch across to Nick. <clears throat> Nick. Fat Freddy's drop. Yes. <laughs> you know who they are? What? Absolutely. I thought one you might. Our, I think one you... of our um, best exports, you know, after after sheep meat. Is that, is that a drink? <laughs> it's a band. It's a oh, band. band. Fantastic New Zealand kind of scar jazzy style band. If you haven't heard of them, listeners, we might have to do a rendition of one of their songs, Andrew, on our on our podcast singing. They're very good. Later on. Uh, Competition between dairy and sheep in New Zealand. Um, this is supposed to be a one-word answer. It's a little tricky. It, it, it could be a phrase. Um, well, we've got dairy sheep in New Zealand as well now, so I'd say that's the way forward if you can combine the two. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, the uh, carbon credits in agriculture. It's very tricky. Um, you know, there's massive risks and opportunities in terms of um, sheep and beef producers being pushed out by people wanting to farm trees. Um, but then at the same time, you know, tr right tree in the right place, there's an opportunity to make quite a bit of money from parts of the farm that aren't really economic to put sheep or, or cattle on. So, yeah, I think everyone just needs to be careful and, and understand what they're going into with their eyes open. That actually that leads us quickly in just a, a uh, very quick a, a quick Horvid uh, tangent. Uh, uh, Why? Because well, I was just going <clears> to <throat> well, I was just going to ask the question actually because I noticed in the last beef and beef and land New Zealand outlook or when they're looking at the reduction in the sheep flock in New Zealand. Well, well let's let's park that just now, Matt. All right, let's, okay, uh, I'll come back to it. We're going to do the formalities first. I'll come back to it. It's good to have a preview of what's coming up. Just <laughs> get your notes get your notes ready, Nick. We'll probably forget that question anyway. Uh, <laughs> But we did, we sort of, we had a podcast two episodes ago, mm. heartfelt podcast between the two of us, Matt, where we spoke about our feelings towards one another Yep. and about a lot of our announcements at the time. Mm. The announcements at that time were moving house, breaking my elbow, setting up a new entity of episode three Yep. and also selling the pig farm. So we're no longer bona fide farmers. Or no. I'm not, you are. But we did mention, we did, we did sort of mention in passing that we had another announcement coming up, but then we decided to do a bit of a U-turn and we said, right, too much for one episode, too much excitement for the world. That's it. 
That's the it. Agricultural industry for one episode. Yeah, I could, I could, I could feel Liz Jackson flapping her hands in excitement. So we had to calm, <laughs> calm the horses. Calm the we? horses down. Yeah. yeah. So we, we, had to, yeah. we had to leave something for another episode, and yeah. so at this podcast, we like to we like to talk to people, or I like to talk a lot, and uh, and 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 listen to some of what people have got to say in between short bursts of Matt, and. Uh, we, we got approached by, uh, by the Global Sheep Farmers Forum Next Generation, or Next Generation Global Sheep Farmers Forum. Needs a bit of a shorter name. We need uh, an acronym, don't we? I know, I, know a, I know a couple of guys who are really good at making company names. <laughs> you should have employed them to come up with your adventures name. <laughs> That's why I like Bonnie being on the podcast. They, uh, we'll talk about that later, actually. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, we decided it was a good opportunity to partner because you guys at Global Sheep Forum, which you're going to men- discuss in a bit and tell us what it is. We're looking to do a podcast and and you wanted some advice on running a professional podcast and you approached us. <laughs> Don't know why. <laughs> uh, and so we thought it was a good opportunity. Instead of, instead of you guys setting up your own one, we'll combine our forces and, and, do a, and do a podcast where once a month, maybe maybe even twice a month, if there's something exciting happening, we'll get somebody from the Global Sheep Forum on to talk about their part of the world. And so we got Bonnie and Nick, two, two leaders of the global industry of sheep, some, two of the biggest exporters of sheep in the world, Matt. Mm-hmm. Would it be? Australia first, New Zealand second? Depending on the year. Depending on yep. the year. Um, and we thought we'd get you on and just introduce the Global Sheep Forum because you're instrumental in its development. And uh, look, again, we mentioned in the last podcast, this podcast is a hobby podcast. We don't monetize it other than that time that I got loads of free haggis and black pudding from, mm-hmm. uh, from that cafe in Melbourne. Uh, and we've had a couple of beers at conferences that people have given us. But other than that, we don't monetize this. And so we're just doing this as an industry good function out of the niceness of our cold black hearts. So... And we are we are very grateful because, as I said at the start, you know there is more uh, that actually unites us across uh, producers across across different countries than separates us. So I think it's really important that you're joining us on this initiative and giving us the opportunity to sort of showcase some producers from each of the different countries that are involved in the Global Sheep Forum and um, you know and their experiences. Fantastic. Do you want to give us a rundown of the how the Global Sheep Forum? became or what was the the kind of you know the history the origin story of global sheep forum so yeah absolutely uh, so. who wants to go first nick or bon? i think nick nick can give uh, a, a great overview i think i can give it a bit of an update so um the the global sheep producers forum with it it's it's relatively clunky name came out of a much more smartly named trilam which was a um, a group of countries, so it was Australia, New Zealand, and the United States, which had joined together to um, sort of promote sheep farming and promote sheep meat um, consumption, um, promote um, the industry as as something attractive for people to get into, and and it really recognized that, that there was shared challenges that would be better off working together on and shared opportunities that would be better off capitalizing on together. So that had been going for a while and had been quite successful. And out of that sprung the the Trilam program, which had young 
sheep producers, um, a couple from each country, visit the other country um, to get a better, better understanding of um, their industry, understand a bit more about what was going on over there. And also the, the main part of it really was to form connections with other like-minded people. And so that, that program was going really well until 2019 when, as we know, COVID struck and that really sort of stopped the travel in its tracks. And, and while that stopped, um, the UK and Canada expressed interest in joining. So it's since expanded out to include them and become the Global Sheep Producers Forum. So um, how, how many countries in total then? Five or six? So there's, well, it depends if you count the UK as sort of all of their separate bits and pieces, but there's there's five of us. So there's Canada, UK, um, New Zealand, Australia, and the United States make up so the Nick, Global Sheep Producers Nick, Forum. In, the, in that first derivation of the Tri-Lam, so that was Australia, New Zealand, and the US, is that right? You could have called you could have called Quinlam. Quinlam. Ah, <laughs> yes. If we all put together, yeah, yeah. So, so what what is the main purpose of it then, really? Of the the next generation forum, yep. or the global sheep producer. Um, so it's really to connect young sheep farmers or the the next generation, as it is, um, which is a, a an undefined term as such, but sort of means you know probably younger than sixty. Um, to get to get them together and to meet each other to understand a bit more about what's happening in different countries. And so while COVID had gotten in the way of things like travel, we thought, well, you know, how could we do, how could we kick something off now? And that's kind of where the idea of um, doing something online started. And um, last year, Australia put together a really good, um what was it called um online online an, forum you had an event. online forum and oh, so yeah. that was spread across three different different time zones and it sort of went over about 48 hours and that was really good and then when we talked about it this year we wanted something that was um happening a bit more often and so the idea of a podcast kind of sprang out of that yeah i, I think there's such a um, diversity in the way that sheep are produced and, and farmed across the world and so um, you know, opportunities for, for learning from each other out of those experiences. I, I think we're really, that was heightened throughout COVID while we were all, you know, reserved to our individual countries. So opportunities for people to come together and talk about, you know, their successful businesses um, around the globe and, or, you know, I, I think also covering what their successful career pathways have been into the industry, how they got to where they they are now. Um, where, what are other learnings for other people that they could be, um, you know, discussing across different countries and fostering that that international conversation so i think um you know we want to we want to make sure that young people and, and people coming through this industry are, are inspired to stay in it um and and learning things from people around them nick you mentioned that um the the uk group is you know, obviously they're part of that uk alliance of the you know scotland northern ireland wales and, it's and it's england not, it's not an alliance it's just well alliance. whatever it is it's got, it's whatever. so there's that a, a union but, wasn't it a, a union, union. What, yeah well alliance i was trying to be a bit fancy with my words um just coming from wrong. danong you know <laughs> yeah, thanks thanks for the thanks for pointing that out um so that you you're saying that but is the uk does that include the republic of ireland or they're not part of that kind of group either or, or and do those and um, two 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 questions in one mate and those 
separate like entities of Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales, and they're England. Not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not separate entities. All right. Well, so, they play so when they play sport. They what, what about the the Wales Welsh rugby team and the Scottish football team? <laughs> Oh, last time we spoke, you guys didn't want to talk about rugby, but here we are. <laughs> We're not talking about Australian New Zealand rugby. We just, I was just mentioning the Welsh team in passing. That, that's the only reference to rugby we'll have on this podcast. Um, but yeah, you know what I'm saying, like, do they do, do they perceive themselves within the UK as separate producers within their regions, whatever you want to call the their areas of those? Because, because, of... and this is something. Sorry, go on, Nick. Sorry, I was, I was just going to say so. Um, the organisations that we've had involved from the UK side of things are the National Sheep Association. So um, I understand that covers all of the, the the UK and then the AHDB, which is the Agricultural and Horticultural Development, Development Board. Board. Yeah, and so they represent sheep meat and, sh- uh, and wool amongst various other agricultural commodities. So they've been the ones that have been involved from them Um Republic of Ireland hasn't been involved as such, but that's sort of something that we're we're thinking about in terms of looking looking to the future and, and expansion and where we might go. Uh, right, and so would that then include places like South Africa, South America, you know, maybe even Spain or Romania? Yeah, so um, South Africa's been involved in some of the calls already. Oh. Um, there's also been a guy, um, from Uruguay who's been part of it. Um, it's been relatively flexible with who joins and, and looking, you know, we haven't got any reason to be exclusive as long as everyone is keen on, on signing up for the same thing that we have, which is, you know, a a passion for the sheep industry and, um, promoting it. We, we are keen to expand. There's probably a little a few challenges with languages um, that need to be overcome, but they're, they're not impossible to overcome. I think when, we, you, we, when we, you're going we've, through... We've managed it so far. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> no one understands what Andrew says. Um, what, just as you were mentioning those countries, though, and I, I know I said I'm not going to talk about rugby, and this is the last reference, but actually I just realised that there's a lot of countries that have sheep industries that are you know, prominent that also play rugby. The top nine. Yeah. A coincidence or not. Well, I want to point out the top nine. You've got Ireland, well, maybe Ireland's got sheep, France has got planet sheep, South Africa's sheep, New Zealand's sheep, England, Scotland, Wales, Argentina's got a sheep industry, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think, and, and, so... and, but then we get to number nine in the top ten, which is Australia. <laughs> 20 million, 25 million people and Scotland with bad bloody healthcare, bad diet, is number five. Um, <laughs> Do you think if you ranked sort of ratio of people to sheep, you'd probably end up with with standings quite similar to the rugby ones at the moment? Possibly, possibly. Yeah. I know. Um, what I was getting to at though was the, there could be an alliance, another alliance that the sheep producing countries of the world could could hook up with rugby federation or whatever worldwide and have some kind of a sheep rugby sheep. promotional thing because it just seems such a such a close alignment between countries that play rugby and countries that are big in the sheep sector i could be onto something there andrew it could be next week's analysis on some analysis website yeah, some kind of... add that to the global sheep forum agenda nick um, i think so well if you look at um you know i'm sure if you talk to all the wool producers out there they'll they'll tell you all the benefits of it so having a woolen rugby shirts um probably isn't is something we could look into mm-hmm. or a global sheep forum uh rugby top as a you know as a top that you can wear 
as a member or something. So, yeah. so in terms of the Global Sheep Forum, what have, what have you got planned for the next six months? How does it kick off? I'll field it. Um, so we, we're obviously looking to really get stuck into these podcasts between these next generation of producers over the next six, 12 months. Um, and we will also be coming together in Canada in November to talk about the launch of the forum and, and I guess uh, have an opportunity to come together as the first time you know, after COVID uh, to kind of go through what our shared goals and our mission is and, and kind of what we're all coming together to and what, what does the future look like. So it's really our first opportunity will be in November to do that. Um, so we've got uh, our website, which will be up and running, um, which will be globalsheepforum.com, where we'll be hosting these podcasts and also sharing some information, some updates about what exactly we're going to be undertaking over the next 12 months. That'll be, that'll be exciting. Matt and I are looking forward to going to Canada. Mm, no, that'd be good. Uh, we, we said it was pro bono, but we will take a junket. <laughs> we'll have to uh, get in touch with our service providers on that one. <laughs> and so the purposes of the podcast we're going to start doing is obviously having representatives or, uh, of that next-gen group globally to come on and have a chat about what they're doing in their country, what their what their passions are, what they might be doing, something you know that's um, that's cutting edge or new or whatever, and that's that's the goal behind it, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the plan at this stage is to do them once a month and and see what the reception is, um, and to get a person from each country. We'll sort of rotate around, have them on, um, and talk about you know why they're involved in the sheep industry, what they're doing what they're passionate about and the idea is that um, by listening to it you'd find out how what's happening in other countries you know um, in terms of the what what they're concerned about what what they see as opportunities but also sort of see you know what are they doing the same what's different um, what might work well on my farm back at home or you know what can I learn from them and and trying to sort of build that web of connections that's and then Following that, it's it's whether we can get other guests on as well who might be interested in, in one that Bonnie and I have already talked about is getting some of the, the old Tri-Lam um, people who, and talking to them, they're still in contact with the, with the people that they meet on those trips and are still passionate about being involved in the sheep industry. So hearing where they've got to would be would be great as well. Bonnie, uh, do you... I was going to say, ask Bonnie a question there while um right. while I had it in my mind before I forget about it. I am an old man. Um, <laughs> do you think just in what Nick was saying about you know looking at what people are doing around the world in the sheep sector? Do you think there's a lot of, I guess, stresses and tensions that are impacting people within the sector in their own regions and 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 countries? Do you think there's common things that are impacting the industry across across the board? And if so, what do you think they are the big the big ticket items that are that people in the sheep sector around the world will be worrying about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think the first one that kind of jumps to mind that's pretty relevant um, is definitely around you know environmental and sustainability type issues. I think every every one of us is is confronting kind of a, a landscape that includes a lot of <clears throat> rapidly changing legislation. I mean, in, even in Australia, we've had a change of government and a shifting of priorities here. And I think um, front of mind for a lot of discussions that we have around the global sheep forum tables is about how we not only demonstrate the good practices that are going on in industry, and um, but also that recognition um, of 
the fact that she produces us our stewards environmental stewards and we need to be working towards um, some clear outcomes that demonstrate to our consumers that we undertake responsible environmental practices and looking after the land so I, th I think that's a really big one um, you know carbon neutrality targets and, and things like that are definitely um, a hot topic as you know uh, in industry here in Australia um, I think issues across uh, health and welfare, making sure that um, uh, genetics are, are fold into that one as well, um, looking for opportunities to increase, increase productivity. Um, and I, I think also managing um, genetics and making improvements in line with the changing climate, if that ties into the first one a little bit. I, I think that's something that everyone grapples with. And there's so much uh, I think that can be learned from different countries in terms of what people are doing around, around the world on that one. Um, but I also would, would, would you include the welfare area as well? You said, like, as in welfare, in terms of you know, farm management type practices, um, you know, animal husbandry type practices. Would that be included in that yeah, section? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think, um, and let's broaden it to, to dare I say, it, our social license type issues. You know, as as with the environmental work, we've got a responsibility to our, to our consumers and customers to show that we are doing you know, the utmost in terms of welfare practices and I think making sure that there's a lifting of standards across the world, but also, you know, proving what we're doing, I think is an important part of all of that too. Um, uh, definitely making improvements in line with, you know, developments in science and technology as well. Um, I, I think the other big one that we talk about across the Global Sheep Forum is, um, you know, our local communities and, and sheep producing regions and, and the resilience um, that comes with that. So I, I think, you know, we're dealing with labour issues here in, in Australia. Um, I think making sure that we are contributing to vibrant rural communities is a big priority across across all of the different countries. Um, so there's there's just a few there. I think um, is the is the lack of shearers a phenomenon we're seeing in New Zealand and Canada and the UK? Is it is it all around the world that what we're facing in Australia? Is that a common thing? Do you know? Um, I th I think so. The the issue really is that the costs of sharing are more than the value of the wool. Um, unless you know, unless, unless merino, I suppose. Yeah, but, yeah, um, I was just going to say in New Zealand's know, case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm from a just to sort of put my cards on the table. I grew up on a, a merino farm, so I have a bit of a soft spot for um for them. But yeah, it's that's obviously one of the issues. And along with sharing, it's it's rising costs. Um, for a lot of things, you know, the 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 Ukrainian war hasn't hasn't helped in terms of fertilizer prices, the trade impacts of um of COVID and sort of getting supplies onto farm has has all gone up. And while meat prices are pretty good around the world at the moment, I think everyone's just a little bit nervous as to whether they can stay that high and whether they can sort of. Or whether they're going to drop, and then some of those rising costs will really be be big issues. In, in saying that, though, Nick and Bonnie mentioned at the start with the six cents around. I think you, the word you used, Bonnie, was um, optimistic outlook for the sheep sector when Andrew spoke about the global influences. And I think if you look at something like uh, you know per capita consumption of sheep meat around the globe, there are a lot of countries where sheep meat's the fourth. In you know in in the in the in the meat kind of you know consumption of beef, pork, and chicken and poultry stuff, um, sheep meat you know for a lot of countries is down the bottom of the list in terms of global uh, of you know, per capita consumption. Um, that to me suggests that there's a lot of opportunity for growth in a lot of these countries, right? 
um, you know, and it is a it is a kind of a, it's it's a meat that's like chicken too, in the sense that there aren't any religious uh, restrictions around the eating of sheep meat, really, right? So, um, do you think that you know that's that's a counterweight to some of the problems there that the the, the outlook you know for the next ten years or so in terms of global demand so, for sheep so, meat so is pretty what, significant? Whilst, whilst global supply is not really going to massively increase the demand, yeah, that, that would have been my point, Andrew, is that. I assume Australia is the same, but in New Zealand, sheep production is being, there's a lot of competition, whether it's, you know, vineyards going in or forestry or dairy. Um, so our production's not going up at all. Any any increases in production we get will be from genetics, which, which will be relatively small. And so there's a limited pool really of sheep meat out there, but if we can sort of really increase its consumption, um, and there's a lot of markets out there that they only sort of eat small amounts of it. Um, the US would be an example there where if we can work together to increase consumption in the US, then that's going to benefit cheap producers all around the world. So how do you do that then? Well, my, my understanding of why um, Americans don't eat a whole lot of sheep meat is because a lot of them were stationed in the Pacific in World War Two and ate a lot of um, canned mutton for um, the three or four years that they were stationed there. And by the time they went home, they um, never wanted to see sheep meat again. And now that those sort of old soldiers have had children and their children have had children, um, the consumers that we're targeting now, they, they don't have any preconceptions about sheep meat and they sort of see it as something new and exciting to try. So... It's about telling the story around the, like what Bonnie said, the environment and the, the, um, you know, the taste and all of the other good things that go with sheep meat production. Consumers want to feel comfortable that when they eat lamb, that you know it's come from a place that has high ethical and sustainability standards. So, working together to sort of basically reintroduce lamb into into those consumers who may not have thought of eating it before is um, is going to be key, I think. Not to um, not to drop Andrew in it with uh, one of the key listeners to this podcast, but that story you told about the the eating of mutton in the can from the US soldiers, I think Andrew's got a personal story about his eating of, of, of sheep meat as a young man. That I think you, did you want to relay some of that uh, without without kind of you know putting uh, the the chef on the spot because I don't want to embarrass your lovely uh, mother. But, uh... <laughs> I uh, I hated lamb. It was one of the most horrible meats. Uh, and my mum doesn't listen to it anyway. It's more like my auntie Julie is going to pass. Oh, well, yeah, she'll pass the message on. Don't well, auntie Julie, if you're listening, don't 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 let Andrew's mum know that I dropped her in it. But she used to cook lamb chops, and they just used to be well done. And uh, then deep fried. Uh, Matt, that's racist. <laughs> and uh, and so I just never liked lamb because I'd never had it cooked particularly well because uh, that was just the way in scotland was a lot of places well done and so you go to go to a bar or whatever and have lamb chops and it'd be well done all the way through and then i went to barbecue in perth and somebody handed me a french cutlet beautiful. perth in perth in wa not perth, perth in scotland yeah, yeah just to be just to be, just to be clear yeah. and it was beautiful and i was like what am i missing and and then i started becoming then i became i ate that for a few years when i was working in the grains industry then i became an analyst I just couldn't afford it anymore. <laughs> so that is the problem, right? It's so it's, it's just, an expensive. It's just chicken cut. for me now, if I'm lucky. It is a premium product, yes. Yeah. 
So get your violins out for uh, Matt and Andrew. The, uh, well, the, we're, the, we're, the most low, the most lowly paid in agriculture. They're even more lowly paid now that we're yeah. scratch no, around. We're, we're, we're not unemployed. We are startup entrepreneurs. We are, yeah, yeah. kind of like buskers, buskers. But, with an, uh, but with analysis. <laughs> but we're better singers than analysts. So that's well, yeah. That's probably why it's uh, that's why it's a struggle. So, but this is so. It's kind of like Global Sheep Farmers is a little bit like a Nuffield, but without the fancy ties. Or well, the secret handshake. And a secret handshake, uh, and it's a good way of transferring information. Like I, I, I felt going on a Hoiberg tangent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Matt, that I've got my group of uh, of analysts around the world. That we have a WhatsApp group with analysts who are competitors to us to an extent, not really, and we chat. I chat to them every day. Uh, about what's happening in, in their part of the world. And, oh, my monitor's just fallen. Bugger. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll just carry on. <laughs> and uh, we use that as a way of, of sharing information. And this is the sort of the same thing. Because everyone's doing the same thing, roughly. Apart from, obviously, the Highlands of Scotland will be slightly different from the, uh, the Tablelands of Australia. Yeah, I- I- so, Bonnie, I was, I was just going to say, you know, even within New Zealand, which is a relatively small country, I suppose, that there's massive variability on whether you're a finishing farm down on the flat or if you're a high country farm um, doing mostly breeding and, and sort of everything in between. And, and that geographical diversity is present all around the world. But, you know, when you look at some of the places, whether it's, you know, where I grew up, it's relatively hot and hot and dry in summer and cold and dry in winter. And you look at some of the parts of the United Southern United States or Australia, it's probably not all that different, which is where you get Merino, the, the king of sheep hanging out, I suppose. I think the, the other component is, you know, the, the Trilam group was so successful with its leadership ambitions. I mean, our, our Trilam graduate, if you like, Jamie Heinrich, uh, who runs Elemata Pastoral on Kangaroo Island, um, you know, he went through that program. He still maintains connections with um, his counterparts in different countries, constantly talking and sharing ideas. Um, and he's on the Sheep Producers Australia board. Um, and he's he's also sort of successfully gone into a lot of other different appointments. So, I mean, for, for us and other countries, I think it's also about really um, providing that opportunity for the next generation coming through. And in Australia, we want we want our next generation of leaders to be worldly and, and understanding of, of, of different markets and different trading partners and um, different different ways of doing things that exist outside of Australia. So I think the benefits that are offered through this kind of a program are are really exciting. And that's, you know, in terms of talking about the next evolution of the program beyond um, coming together in no- November, looking to get that next generation program in person running uh, up and running again soon um, perhaps next year and when we can start to bring together some of these next generation guys in person that sounds like a good uh, a good plan but andrew that hoiberg tangent you went on a, i had actually forgotten i was going to ask a question of nick at the uh sixth sense and now you're reminding me that i can go on my own little hoiberg tangent now um <laughs> nick um i was getting back to that uh beef lamb new zealand outlook you put out um annually i think it is and talking about the reduction in the sheep flock for New Zealand and particularly breeding ewes have been, I think they've been in re- decline since 2006 from memory each year. 
Um, and and one thing I noted in the most recent report was the was the fact that some of the areas were being because uh, historically you'd seen this growth in say beef and dairy taking away from you know like a fight for acres for sheep country. Mm. Um, but I noted in the most recent one there was this kind of uh, increase in forestry also taking away, and it, it's part of that. What were you saying? Is that because of this kind of chasing carbon credit scenario? Is that what you're seeing in New Zealand? Yeah, without getting into too much detail in New Zealand, you through our emissions trading scheme, you can um, produce, you can put trees in and then sell the amount of carbon they produce. Um, So I think it's about $79 a tonne. And at that return, it just blows all other agriculture out of the water, except maybe very high quality dairy on high quality dairy land. So um, we're seeing sort of whole farms just disappear under this wall of pine um obviously our position is that that um sheep farming really sort of supports the rural communities um within them you know if you plant all these trees suddenly you lose all of the farmers that were around you lose the people that were working on those farms you lose the vets that might have been coming out there the fertilizer um salesmen you know the truck salesmen all the other people that are associated with those The multiplier multiplier effect of uh, an industry that's employing a lot of people, not just growing trees, yeah. Yeah, and then you get down to a point where, you know, the school may have had sort of 20 people and now it's got 10, so it's not worth the school school staying open. And um, there's there's a lot of unintended benefits. Um, A lot of the, the policy settings at the moment in New Zealand, we don't agree with in terms of allowing that much offsetting. So... Yeah, the, the, the traditional competition has been from um, dairy, which is um, a more profitable land use on on some of the lower finishing farm sort of ground. And then um, horticulture is expanding quite a lot as well. So um, cherries, vineyards, that sort of thing. Um, and then as well as sort of housing as well, lifestyle blocks and, and that. So the, the sheep flock has been declining from you know, probably way back in the 80s when, when all of the subsidies came off and we had however many sheep it was per person. Um, and then from the 90s, early 90s, which is when we can sort of say that the effect of the subsidies had, had fully gone, um, we've sort of slowly been declining since then. But, but... I, think I, um, I think I know those numbers. I've used them in presentations before. Nick, about a decade ago, it was 22 sheep per New Zealander. And now I think it's down to five very nervous sheep per New Zealander now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and saying that, though, production hasn't really dropped that much. So um, it's quite a good environmental story if you talk about the numbers that have dropped and with that, the emissions, um, while still producing pretty much an equivalent amount of product. So, you know, swings and roundabouts, there's some good sides to it as well. So, yeah, as we go on, we'll be talking to producers and uh, one of the ones I would like to get in touch with is somebody from the Falklands. Yes. Um, Do you have someone specific, pro- someone specific in mind, Andrew? Or <laughs> I didn't. I didn't have, have anyone specific, but but we do know Not one. someone from down the pub, probably your own producer, right? No, but we uh, we know Greg Bradfield. Mm-hmm. He, he was there for ten years. He's now in Tasmania. In the in the, I think he's back in dairy now. He's in dairy now, but that's mm. he tells a story about that time. But again, it'll be interesting to hear different stories, and that's what we're here for. Is 
giving out information, which is why. So, so, so if there's a listener, if there's a listener from the Falkland Islands listening to Watch's podcast, just send us a drop us a line, reach out to us if you want to come on and have a chat. And that's probably a good point to say that um, when these podcasts, we start publishing them online, people who want to be involved, there'll be an opportunity um, for people to be able to get in touch through the website. Um, if you are keen on being featured um, as a part of as a part of the podcast, we're really keen to hear from you, um, even if, you know, we haven't got you as part of your country as a part of the Global Sheep Forum Network yet. <laughs> um, we're keen to, to talk to you. So that'll be another way for people to get in touch too. Get in touch and also share it amongst your network if you, you know, like what you're listening to. Or if you don't like what you're listening to, share it amongst your enemies. <laughs> <laughs> so we're coming probably close to the end of this introductory to the Sheep Farmer, Global Sheep Farmer Forum and, and the podcast that we'll be doing for the next 12 months, one a month, different, different producers, different ideas, different innovations, different problems different objectives and solutions. And uh, it'd be really interesting to hear what people got to say. And any other final words of wisdom from, from, from Nick? Nothing really leaping out at me, but um, I'd encourage people to get involved and listen to it. And um, we've got a, a New Zealand farmer up, up first. So he'll be joining you guys on the next podcast and he looks like he'll be a fantastic candidate really interesting sort of experience and, and what he's up to so tune into that next one as well and bonnie ah uh, just to say thank you very much for partnering with us on this it's um it's a really great initiative and we're keen to to see how this goes over the next 12 months and all the interesting conversations that are going to come out of it so we're just nice people bonnie doing our bit for the industry industry good and matt any final words of wisdom i was just wondering if we we're going to close with like maybe we could just do a crowded house song as we close if i'm not sure what nick's singing voice is like i'm pretty sure bonnie would have a good singing where, where, voice sorry where crowded house from again uh australian band australian famous australian band right off bonnie <laughs> you're, you're a trained singer go on <laughs> I'm trying to think. I mean, is whenever I fall at your feet, but um, I don't feel like I should have to lead it off. I think Matt, since it was your fantastic idea, I think uh, you should sing us all in. I'm trying to think of the lyrics of what is it? Fall at your feet. Surely this is the surely this is the sort of thing that um. Well, don't dream it's over. Don't dream it's over. That's, that'd be another one we could do. Don't dream it's over. Well, we'll, we'll do this. We'll do this for the final episode. All right. Yeah, let's do okay. it. We'll, do we'll it return. Time. We'll return for the final one and we'll practice Don't Dream It's Over and then we'll, we'll do that at the end of the we'll do a How's that sound? We'll do proclaimers. That sounds fantastic. Keep everyone on the edge of their seats until then. Yeah. Got to leave yeah. something for, for later. Got to leave something in the tank. All right. Now we'll, we'll wrap it up here then. And um, it's been fabulous having both Bonnie on for the, the thrice time, Andrew, and, uh, and having Nick on for the first time. It's been an excellent kind of chat and a prelude to what we're going to be doing. And, um, yeah, listed in uh, when you can. As you um, gain some invaluable insights from the world's sheep leaders. <laughs> Absolutely, the next generation of sheep farming worldwide. Right, and we'll have some, a, we'll come up with an acronym too over over the time. Yeah, let, me think, let, let me think about it, but we'll we we'll might sign off there, and um, I'll see you when you got nothing on. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you, guys. <laughs>